At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest edition of Circling the Bases. I'm DJ Short, and I'm joined here once again by Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. We're live on Twitch, so welcome to our audience there. And if you're listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording on Monday afternoon coming off another interesting weekend of spring training action. Scott, how you doing? How was your weekend? Uh, it was great. Other than we, we did lose power for the second straight week, so hopefully we're going to oh. break that trend. But hey, look, as long as I'm powered up on Mondays, we can talk some baseball. Warm weather today. The snow has melted, so um, getting getting excited. I know you participated in a industry auction um, this weekend. I have Tout Wars coming up pretty soon, so we'll, we'll get to that later in the show. But um, it's it's here, man. We get the what we're going to do the Roto World Mock Show later this week, which is going to be fun. So we're mm-hmm. really digging into the teeth of draft season. Yeah, and, and Tuesday night, I have my Tout Wars mixed draft. On Friday night, I did uh, NL only labor auction. Uh, so it is, we're right in the thick of, of draft season. And word for our listeners here, new MLB season, new rules, new stars. So pair it with the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide. Get all the player profiles. There's hundreds and hundreds of them. Rankings and projections you need to hit your draft out of the park. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash draft guide and use Pennant25, our special code Pennant25, to get 25% off at checkout. Uh, definitely check it out today. We're trying to update this thing throughout the course of spring training, give you the most accurate and up-to-date information as possible. And there's a lot of news, so we'll we'll dig into that at the top. Then we're going to do something a little bit later uh, where I'm going to throw some scenarios at Scott that you might face over the course of a draft with some of these buzzy players in spring training and kind of see, you know, what Scott would decide, what I would decide. And then we'll get into my NL only uh, labor draft to wrap up the show. So uh, a couple of news and notes here at the top. I think the most significant one, Scott, um, being Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So he had to drop out of the World Baseball Classic, uh, injured his knee, not a serious one to our knowledge, but he's running into second base on a hit uh, and kind of got into second base a little bit awkwardly, underwent an MRI, showed no structural damage, minor inflammation in the area. Uh, so all parties involved just decided the safe route uh, would be for him to withdraw from 
uh, the World Baseball Classic. I think the Blue Jays are just going to take it slow with Guerrero right now. Is there any reason to worry going into a draft this week, you think, Scott? I'm probably going to leave him alone on my draft board. He's not a player who makes a living from his legs. The Blue Jays seem to be optimistic that he'll be ready for opening day. Just being, you know, taking the precaution route to keep him out of the WBC. It's no fun from a baseball fan perspective, but maybe keeping him in bubble wrap for the next couple of weeks will be a good thing. And it's just hard to look at that lineup. And we know the fences are coming in. They're, they're going to raise him a little bit, but I think the fences coming in is going to be more of an offensive boost than the Rays will hurt offense. I just feel like you have to leave your draft with a couple of Blue Jays if you're in a mixed league. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vladimir Guerrero, of course, is as expensive as any of them, but he's still where he was before this news. I don't think it's going to be anything major. So the other one, and we, we talked about this, I think, for the past couple of weeks, Jordan Alvarez's left hand uh, having some discomfort was something he dealt with down the stretch last year. Didn't impact him too much at the plate, but a little discouraging that it's still going on. He's yet to swing a bat. Uh, since camp opened and yesterday Sunday the Astros general manager Dana Brown was actually being interviewed on the broadcast during a spring training game and he said maybe Jordan Alvarez will take swings by next weekend meaning this coming weekend still plenty of time to get him ready for opening day we're still like three weeks out Uh, and generally hitters don't need a ton of at-bats But I think this is one of those situations where you're like, sooner or later, he's got to swing the bat and he's got to do it without discomfort, not to have a setback. Are you a little more worried about Alvarez as compared to Guerrero? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you said, not even swinging, not not even taking swings. So he's doing no baseball activity right now. And the Astros, they they probably have the luxury of holding him back a, a couple of weeks or maybe holding him back you know, mostly through April because they're going to be in contention anyway. They have a very deep roster. So Alvarez, without this news, I would have been prepared to take him as early as five, six, or seven in a mixed league draft. Now he's not a first rounder to me, and I'd be a little bit nervous to take him in the second round. And, and I know this can blow up in your face, right? We, we could be talking in a few months and about how the MVP season he's having. It's like, oh yeah, remember when you got him in the second round, what, what a steal that was. But I'll feel a lot better when I see him. Just the fact that he's not taking swings right now makes me nervous. I think the prudent thing is to move him back about a half round on your draft board. Yeah, and I've seen some recent average draft position data, and he is moving back a few spots. So uh, I think everyone's a little bit concerned, but not enough that he's going to slip super far, which is pretty much the right way to go. Um, So the next one, and this is a little bit discouraging, uh, Philly's top prospect, Andrew Painter, was just throwing 99 miles per hour the other day. On Wednesday, uh, and we were talking about that as well, but uh, felt some tenderness in his elbow coming out of that outing. Um, and he did go for an exam, but the Phillies have been extremely mum about this whole situation, which just gets me more and more suspicious that maybe this could be something serious. We were hoping to hear something on Monday morning at Phillies camp. We haven't heard anything yet. Maybe that changes by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, but I think at this point, even if it's not something super serious, where uh, maybe a week, week ago we thought Painter had a chance to break camp with the team, perhaps. But at this point, I think Daly Falter probably has that fifth starter job for Philadelphia at the very least. Yeah, and, and look, this is their prize pitching prospect. He's, what, 20 years old. They're not going to take any chances with Painter, even if they get good news. And if they get bad news, I mean, who knows? Maybe he needs to take extended period off. I would not be prepared to draft him in a mixed league. It's no fun. And we have to 
Yeah, we talk about Guerrero, we talk about Alvarez. The fact of the matter is that with injuries, we always have to be more careful. We have to tiptoe around with the pitchers because there's just more things that can go wrong. Pitchers, pitching is such an unnatural act anyway. And it's it sucks. It sucks to draft like an actuary. It sucks to say, well, I can't draft Painter right now when I looked at him as maybe a last-round pick or a late-round pick in a mixed league or a reserve pick or somebody you'd be excited about in Dynasty. I mean, we hope we're going to get good news, but I think you really have to pull back aggressively when you hear what we've heard so far. And, and as you said, the team has been very quiet about it. We get it, but they're not going to take any chances with somebody who's 20 years old who's the gem of their farm system right now. So one little thing I, I saw a little while ago. So Juan Soto is getting treatment on his left calf. Uh, it's being termed as left calf tightness. Uh, do, he doesn't sound like he's going to withdraw from the World Baseball Classic. Uh, he's supposed to play for the Dominican Republic. So I think that's a good sign that this just isn't a big deal that the Padres are still letting him go. Uh, but I think it's something we're going to have to continue monitor here. You know, if he continues to feel discomfort, I'm sure they'll pull him out. But as of right now, it seems like he's going to be okay. And I saw something earlier with Juan Soto. He's eight for 11 this spring. So I think that's hitting like 750 or something. <laughs> uh, so that's good. Bounce back, right? Yeah, if there's somebody in the major leagues who could hit 750, it's probably Juan Soto. <laughs> Remember, he didn't run at all last year when he joined yeah. the Padres. And when you draft Juan Soto, you're, you don't care if he runs. You may even prefer that he don't because you just want to keep him on the field. What a yeah. deep lineup they have, obviously, if everybody's healthy, which is never a guarantee, but they could have the best lineup in the National League. And uh, – I mean, if the team's not discouraged, if if they're saying he still may be a go for WBC, I think you draft Juan Soto where you were drafting him a few days ago. And and again, I, if you told me he's not going to run all year, that's okay. I'm drafting Juan Soto for run production. I'm drafting him for an average well over 300. I think he has the <clears> highest <throat> batting average upside in fantasy baseball. So last year with the, I, the trade talk and all that stuff, and then he has to uproot his life in the middle of the year. I, I just I give him a t- giant pass. I still think Juan Soto is on the escalator, and we haven't seen anything close to his best season yet. Maybe that's going to be 2023. I agree. I agree. Um, so with the pitch clock situation, you know, we've been monitoring the first outing for pretty much every pitcher to see how they adapt. You don't want to look too much into it, but it was nice to see Kenley Jansen made his first appearance of the spring. We talked a lot about you know, he's a notoriously slow uh, pitcher, but he did just fine. No violations. He pitched well. So that's good. Alex Cobb on the Giants, who a lot of us like is a, you know, a deep round sleeper guy this year. Uh, he really struggled in his first appearance last week, gave up four runs, walked two batters. And then afterwards, he was very frustrated. He said it didn't feel like baseball, didn't feel like pitching, you know, emotional reaction. Uh, but he made his second start of the spring on Sunday against the Royals, allowed just one run in three innings, struck out six, walked none. You know, I don't think it's surprising to see a pitcher quickly, you know, get accustomed to the rules. I mean, that's what spring training's for, especially this year. Not just to get your work in, but a year like this, you know, get comfortable with these new rules. So for me, it just kind of underscores underscores why I like Alex Cobb and why you shouldn't be discouraged by a first performance where you're still adjusting in real time during a game. Yeah, again, it's it's going to be a springtime of adjustment. And you love, what are you looking for in spring training in addition to like velocity readings? 
just as simple walks and strikeouts are the water of fantasy baseball mm-hmm. stats, right? It's, you want to be around the plate and you want to miss bats. And that's what Alex Cobb did against the Royals. I wish he'd see the Royals regularly on his <laughs> schedule during the regular season. I think a lot of pitchers would say that. But I'm with you. This is a, a pitching staff I want to draft into because of the park, because of the defense, because of the coaching, because of the way they've turned some guys around. Now, Cobb is at the front end of their rotation. They're expecting a lot from him. But uh, I, I'm going to leave. At, my drafts are complete at the end of the month. I think I'm going to be overweight on this rotation because I like the values. And I, and I think it's maybe a little less. You know, you look, the Dodgers and the Padres are the big boys in that division. I get it. But I think you can find some under-the-radar values on the Giants. And I think Cobb could be one of those guys. Yeah, I think they have a bunch of hitters that fall in that same area as well. Uh, Michael Conforto coming back after missing a full year. Chaniger, um, yep. The Chaniger as well. Jock Peterson is a late power bat. There's lots of guys you can get in the late rounds on the Giants, so I think could prove to be excellent values. Um, so let's move on here to Mike Clevenger uh, with the White Sox. Of course, he's been investigated for uh, domestic violence and child abuse accusations. So Major League Baseball did a really lengthy investigation on his situation, including interviews of more than 15 individuals uh, and and the person who accused him of of these events. Um, and in the end of their uh, investigation, MLB announced yesterday that Clevenger will not face any disciplinary action uh, following this investigation. Of course, we see this all the time, even with uh, players who are not proven guilty in a court of law, um, that they still face a suspension. So MLB, uh, this is what they ruled at the end of this uh, investigation. Um, so now Clevenger will be eligible to pitch for the White Sox to begin the season. Uh, he signed a one-year $12 million deal with the White Sox during the offseason. Coming off a year was his return from Tommy John surgery, and he didn't pitch all that well at a 4.33 ERA uh, last season in 114 in the third innings. White Sox betting on a bounce back here. I don't think he's made his uh, spring debut yet. I think it's mostly been on backfields. Um, and I think at this point, probably mixed leagues, are, it's more of a wait and see than anything else. But at this point, at least we know that Clevenger will start the year with the White Sox. Yeah, there are pitchers on the staff that I do want to invest in. Uh, off down years, uh, Giolito comes to mind. Lance Lynn comes mm-hmm. to mind. I think we have to take a wait and see approach on Clevenger. I'd like to see how he looks later this month. As you said, he didn't really pitch all that well last year for San Diego after having Tommy John surgery. He's certainly in the back nine of his career. So not something I'm going to draft proactively right now, but I'm open-minded if he shows something between now and opening day. So uh, last news and note here, Mike Moustakis signed a minor league contract with the Rockies over the weekend. Of course, the Rockies lost Brendan Rodgers with a shoulder injury. Uh, he's getting a second opinion, but I believe the first one said that he needed season-ending shoulder surgery. So either way, the Rockies are going to be without Brendan Rodgers for a very long time. Now, the plan right now calls for Moustakis to potentially uh, play third base with Ryan McMahon moving to second base. The Rockies also have uh, youngster Elaharis Ale- Ale- Montero, uh, who could be ready to start the season at third base. I think there are some questions about the defense with Montero. Uh, whereas Moustakis, ton of injuries recently, hasn't hit well, signed that big contract with the Reds, didn't work out there. Uh, but I think it's a pretty nice flyer for the Rockies to take. And suddenly, you know, if you're in an NL-only league, which I'm in in labor, uh, he's someone I would probably take off waivers right now. For sure. Um, now, on one hand, 
Moustakas, as you mentioned, the it, the contract for the Reds just didn't work out at all. And he looked like somebody – I talk about when the cheese goes bad on players, like in the second <laughs> half of their careers, just don't bet on the cheese going good. And I was afraid that – and Moustakas, who burned me a couple of times, one year with the Brewers, one year with the Reds, I just thought, okay, maybe this guy's just relevance is over. But if you're going to go anywhere, obviously the place to go to try to fix your career would be – Colorado. And granted, he wasn't hitting in Cincinnati, which I, which I talked about is, is maybe the best park. That, you know, that's a lineup I really want to get invested in this year. This is a very pedestrian Colorado lineup. When, when, mm-hmm. How many times have we said that? Not very often, because usually, no matter who the players are, the, the thin air makes them valuable, even though they give back some of it on the road. In a mixed league, you know, once you're getting to the point where everybody's taking lottery tickets, so I, I guess like pick outside pick like 250, I'd be open to Moustakas. I'm not going to rank him any higher than that. But once you're picking guys who it's, there's probably like a 60% chance you're going to cut cut them at some point in the first half, I suppose Moustakas makes sense because, as you said, it doesn't sound like Rodgers is going to play anytime soon. It's possible he could be lost for the season. So we're going to get into some of these buzzy names in a second uh, and some choices you might face over the course of your draft before we do that. Remember, download the Roto-World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. Get that Roto-World app, especially as you conduct your fantasy drafts right now. You can put your team right in there be tracking them from day one. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, Scott, I wanted to throw some questions at you. I'm going to call this the Snap Fantasy Draft. Um, So these are scenarios based off of recent average draft position data from NFC. We're going to start with Jordan Walker. Now, had another monster showing over the weekend. Had a four-for-four game. Hit two homers. One of them was an absolute monster shot. Um He's just, I mean, he's really making it tough on the Cardinals. If they had any reason to think, you know, maybe he needs a little bit more time in the minors, but he's forcing his way into the conversation. He's also shooting up draft boards right now. He's right in that 150 range on NFC over the past two weeks. So here's my scenario for you that 
you may very likely face in a fantasy draft. Our listeners may face in a fantasy draft. Jordan Walker versus Seiya Suzuki, who we know is going to start the year on the injured list, versus Ian Happ. That, they're all right in that 150 range on NFC right now. Which way would you go? So I'm going to do the boring thing. I'm going to eat my vegetables. I'm going to take Ian Happ because he's healthy and he's in an opening day lineup. And I actually think he's a very underrated fantasy commodity who may go 170, 180 in some leagues because there's nothing exciting about him. The Cubs yeah. are not a destination offense. Happ is not a young you – know, Walker's a young player. Suzuki's a player who's imported with a lot of buzz and somebody who I was certainly going to draft into aggressively before he got hurt. Now I have to take a wait-and-see approach on Suzuki. But Happ is the most boring guy here, which I actually think makes him the best value. I love Happ in drafts this year. He does a little bit of everything, but you're right. doesn't stand out in one particular area, but he's not going to hurt you in batting average. He hits for power, not 30-plus homer power, but power nonetheless. He runs a little bit. He gets on base, so you know he's going to score runs. I think that Cubs lineup is pretty interesting. It's going to be more interesting when Suzuki's back healthy, but I would take Happ, too. I know Walker has all the hype and the shine, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think it's a little too aggressive. I think the ADP is going to climb even higher than 150 uh, in the next couple of weeks here. Um, next up, Jared Kelnick continues to mash. Hit another homer on Sunday, this time off Devin Williams. And he hit it over the batter's, batter's eye in straightaway center field. It went, uh, let's see, 446 feet over the batter's eye in center field. His longest home run in his career during the regular season is 435 feet. And now Ken, Kelnick's hit two longer than that this spring. So I, I don't know how much stock you wanted to put into spring training stats, but with certain players, you know, I'm all ears. Uh, in, um, in our TGFBI draft, the one that I'm in, I just took Jared Kelnick as my fifth outfielder. I think it was pick like, 254 or something like that, which sounds, sounds like the sweet spot. Uh, Kelnick has moved up a little bit in average draft position over the past two weeks, probably going to move up even higher here soon. But I picked three players, three outfielders, all in that 240 range in ADP. So Jared Kelnick is one first Eshery Ruiz with the A's or Jesse Winker on the Brewers. Which way do you go there, Scott? Well, I'm a winker guy, so I, I think he's got a legitimate chance at hitting 270, 280 with maybe 25 to 30 home runs with Milwaukee. I, I believe that he's finally healthy and he's going back to a hitter park after losing his way in Seattle. But I loved what you did in the TGFBI. With, it's a 15-team league. You're trying to compete for the overall prize, which is where all the glory is. You know, Nobody cares if you came in 119th, but if you come <laughs> in the top five or if you, you win the whole thing, that, that's where the cheddar is. So Kelnick, and we talk about what kind of players do we care about spring training, right? You know, when an established player isn't doing much, but he's healthy, we I don't care at all. You know, if Julio Rodriguez goes in a one for 13 slump in spring training, it's not a news item. I mean, we may talk yeah. about it. It may be on Roto World, but it's nothing to, to worry about. You still draft him where you draft him and all that. But when a guy like Kelnick is trying to make the team, is trying to force his way into the starting lineup, yes, uh, by all means, I want to see him producing. You also make a great point. 
it's not just that he hit a home run. Who'd he hit it off? He hit it off Devin Williams, who's an excellent closer. He's got nasty stuff. That's a lot different than, oh, maybe he's in a B game. Maybe he's hitting off a single A pitcher or something like that. So the yep. level of competition is something that we want to point to as well. I, I think he's a great guy to target. And, and again, I, I know Dave Shevin's been talking about the ADP risers. It's a piece he does regularly. I think Kelnick is going to find his way into that article because he's, what are we looking for? A post-type sleeper who still gave us pretty good category juice last year, even though he hit about a buck 60. It seemed like when he got on base, he ran. When he made contact, a lot of those balls went over the fence. He's still young. The deem that I, I like the depth of this offense here. I, I think it's a good year to if you can get him where you got him, and I don't know how much longer that's going to be available. Yeah. I'd be interested. I'll, I'm still going to take Winker over Kelnick, but the takeaway I want here is I think you and I are both bullish on where like the arrows certainly pointed el- upward on Jared Kelnick, and I want people to draft as such. So Kelnick has four home runs this spring. One of them's off a left-hander as well. So you know, hitting one off Devin Williams is nice. Hitting one off a left-hander is nice, given the struggles that he's had against Southpaws in his career. So let's move on to Kode Senga. He made his Mets debut on Sunday. Uh, I watched the first inning before I had to check out a little bit, but he walked the two for the first two batters that he faced. So I don't know if that's nerves or whatever, but he bounced back pretty well from that, ended up throwing two innings, gave up a solo homer to Trace Barrera, but he walked two, he struck out two. One of those strikeouts was against Jordan Walker, where he threw that ghost fork pitch that has all the hype going on uh, and had just a ridiculous amount of drop on it. I think it was 26 inches of drop on that ghost fork. Um, Average 96.9 miles per hour on his fastball, touched 98.6 miles per hour. Uh, So a lot of separation with velocity on those pitches. And he's kind of one of those pitches where you're like, you know, it might take a a little while for the league to adjust to him. So after seeing that debut, I was more impressed than anything else. I wasn't really paying attention in the numbers as much as the reactions of the hitters and stuff like that. So um, here's the scenario I have for you. All three pitchers in the same average draft position area. Cody Senga versus Grayson Rodriguez versus Brady Singer. Who do you take here, Scott? Man, it's hard to ignore what Singer did last year. Took a major step forward. He's already been around the block. He had his kind of feet get his feet wet season, and then he had a breakout season. Now, the, I don't know how well the Rose are going to support him. And I realize that the AL Central now that the divisional play has been kind of balanced out. He doesn't get to attack some of these offenses I wanted him to see on a regular basis. Of course, I wish Singer could pitch against his own teammates, which he can't do. <laughs> I'm still going to lean Senga, but but I'm with you. With, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to lean Singer, but but I'm with you that Singer is very interesting, and this, he's going to be somebody who he maybe he'll only throw 150 innings, but I think he could strike out like 165 guys, yeah. and he's tied to a Mets team that's going to win 95 games. He will get the support, but bullpen support probably, the defensive support probably, and I, I think one of the better lineups. I've been drafting a lot of Pete Alonso. I'm going to have. The great thing about the Mets, too, is if you draft anybody in the Mets, then you get to watch the the best booth, I think, in Major League Baseball with Cohen, Darling, and Keith Hernandez. Those guys are yep. so great. So you sign up for season tickets for that. I'm going to lean Singer here, but if anybody wants Senga, I would not argue with you. Yeah, I would put Rodriguez third only because after the lat injury he had last year, I just don't think he's gonna, going to throw a lot of innings this season. If he threw 110, 120 I think that's might be it. Like, I just don't know how deep he's going to throw into the season. He might be great in that time span, but I think he has the maybe the lowest upside uh, out of that group. I think Brady Singer has maybe the safest floor out of this group. So I, 
I agree, maybe he has the edge, but I do think Senga on a very talented Mets team where he doesn't have to be the number one guy. You know, there's Verlander, there's Scherzer, they're going to get a lot of the attention. Maybe he, maybe it's a six-man rotation at times. They, you know, they watch his workload since, yeah, he's accustomed to pitching once a week. But seeing like the high-octane velocity that he had, I think there's good win potential there. I wouldn't blame you at all if you took Senga over Singer, but I think it's pretty close between those guys. Um, and the last question I have here is about Corbin Carroll. He's coming off a great game on Sunday. I think he reached base four times. I saw him leg out a triple the other day, and he was just on fire going around the bases. We know he's basically being drafted as a top 20 outfielder today, so I'm going to throw this at you. These are three guys, three outfielders, all in the same area. Corbin Carroll versus Eloy Jimenez versus Adolis Garcia. Which one do you take? Man, it's, it's really interesting because you have one guy in Carroll who's the hot prospect. You have a guy in Garcia who's big swing and miss guy, but he gets so much category juice. He was a late bloomer. I think he's yeah. under. It just I think he's a, a great example of a player who's more valuable in fantasy than he is in real life. And if yeah. the smarter your league is, this is a paradox. The smarter your league is, the more likely you are to get a good price on Garcia because they'll be like, yeah. oh, you know, he's going to lousy OBP. But the Rangers don't care. They're going to play him. With Eloy Jimenez, it's just a case of everybody get hurt. It felt like on the White Sox last year. I think they're a sleeping giant. So what? what it, it's like, what kind of porridge do you want? If you're a prospect guy, maybe you lean Carroll. If you're a category juice guy, or you like to like swim against the current of the you know what the uh, smart guys might do, I can see you pointing to Garcia. I think Jimenez though has the highest upside here. I think this White Sox team again, everything went wrong last year. If they can just run normal, I think they gained six, seven wins in the standings. If they, God forbid, run into a couple of career seasons, I, I drafted Luis Robert in the TGFBI. I think they could be a playoff team again. So Jimenez's yeah. upside makes me most intrigued. But these are three guys I'm going to draft into proactively. I also think Jake McCarthy, who's a little bit less expensive is another guy in Arizona to keep an eye on who was really good last year in the second half of the season. But I, I, I will proact. I think I'll have shares of all three of these players when the draft season is over. I'm going to say Jimenez for now. Yeah, I love all of them. And I think Jake McCarthy's a, a good example. It's almost like the poor man's Corbin Carroll. Mm -hmm. And you can get like three or four, four rounds later. That's no disrespect to Carroll. I still like him a lot. But it is interesting to see the price tag on McCarthy for sure. So uh, hopefully that's uh, useful stuff for you guys if you're drafting uh, this week or the coming weeks here because you're going to see a lot of these names in the same area for sure. Uh, so we're going to wrap up the show today uh, talking about uh, my NL labor draft. And we'll, we'll try to link to it uh, in our show notes here so you guys can take a look at the board as well. Uh, but this is, a, this is a tough league, um, and it's an in-person auction. It was an in-person auction where – Everything's verbal. You know, I think these days we're, we're used to doing everything online and it's a, just a totally different beast kind of being there in person. I think actually more fun, to be honest with you, because sometimes, you know, when you're playing on a computer, like you're, you're stuck in that, you know, that rigid space where when you're in a draft room, it's, a, you know, there's conversation going on. You can hear people sighing and mad when they don't get their player. Uh, so it was definitely fun to do that with some uh, some people I've looked up to for a really long time in the industry. So uh, definitely fascinating experience. Yeah, and the pace usually of these industry auctions is very very quick. So yeah. there's no time. You you have to go in with a good sense of what the player pool is and and 
what your strategy is and what you want to do because you don't have time to think really. You have to, it's more yep. of a reaction thing. And also you, you mentioned being in person, um, you can read body language, you know, to somebody is, is somebody when we're, when the bidding is going on a player is, is somebody engaged? Is somebody looking at you? Is somebody looking at their computer? Are they, you mm-hmm. know, are they walking away to the bathroom, whatever? And you get some, <laughs> some clues there. So I looked over your team and, and these look, they're going to, they're going to show the, the rosters, I guess in the show notes, uh, producer Adam says this, keep in mind when you look at these rosters, this is not a 12 team mixed league or a 10 team mixed league, or even a 15 team mixed league. This is a team 12 team national league only where everybody's going to have holes. So you can't compare it to you know, a more traditional home league of 10, 12 mixed league team where your, your entire roster should be really, really strong. Everybody's going to have a belly somewhere. So uh, three nuances to your team that I, I looked over your roster this morning. First thing I saw is you went with the stars and scrubs build and your final seven hitters, cost $13. So I want to first ask you if if you were planning stars and scrubs ahead of time, or did it more fall that way? And who were some of the diamonds in the rough that you got for one or $2 on your national league hitting roster that you're most excited about? I think it more fell that way for me. I knew I wanted to spend big uh, with my number one catcher. I knew I wanted to get one of the top closers. I knew I wanted to get one of the, there's depth with starting pitching in the national league, but I knew I wanted to get one of those guys. And I also had my eye on Zach Gallen. I feel like I'm drafting him everywhere this year. So I wanted that solid one, two in my rotation. So I, I probably overspent on pitching uh, versus hitting. I didn't know how the league was going to, or the room was really going to play out. Um, so yeah, I, I think toward the end, especially with my hitters, I was kind of forced to take these these value plays. Um, and there's some quirks with labor as well as as the way the roster is constructed during the season where basically if like, if you want to, you can't just move someone to your bench. If you are moving someone out of your starting lineup, you essentially just have to drop them. Um, so getting potentially injured players or players who are going to be in the, begin the season in the minors gives you a little bit more roster flexibility. So, you know, one of the late hitters I got was Darren Ruff, who I don't like a ton, but he might start the season on the injured list Gives me potentially a little bit of flexibility there. So that was the reason for that. I did get Matt Carpenter with the Padres. I was happy about that. Coming off a of power resurgence, I like the ballpark there in San Diego. Yes, leaves Yankee Stadium, but uh, San Diego is still a great spot. Right field, that corner they have. I think he could give me some pop there. Utility only eligible, though, unfortunately. Corey Dickerson with the Nationals. I think he's going to play pretty much every day in that outfield. Definitely a possibility gets treated, I think, late in the season. So that's something that we'll have to keep in mind, but I do like him as well. Tommy Pham, I think, is going to be an active fourth outfielder in the Mets lineup. And if Darren Ruff starts the year on the IL, he could see lots of at-bats out of the DH spot as well. They could mix and match there. Brian Anderson, I think, is a good rebound candidate. Uh, signed with the Brewers during the offseason. Should see a lot of time at third base there. Um, so I think, and a good ballpark to bounce back in as well. So I think going late to get a bunch of those kind of two, $3 hitters, uh, might actually work out. I like to have an anchor for my staff, whether it's a mono league, whether it's a mixed league. And you certainly got that with Justin Verlander who went for $31 in this auction, but those prices were very, that price was very similar to where a lot of other guys went. Corbin Burns went for 32, Max Scherzer went for 30, Woodruff was 28, Alcantara 27. 
Uh, Zach Wheeler was $24. And, and, and be fair, when you look at these things, remember that the prices aren't in context. I mean, you don't know if a player came out early, if a player came out yep. late. Sometimes one of the worst things you can get can find yourself into in an auction is if you wait around for the last good closer, the last good third baseman, and two people have money, the price is just going to go through the roof because inflation kicks in. So don't take these, these dollar figures and these final bid prices, you just consider that they're contextually influenced and they can be a little bit misleading. That said, Verlander is priced up pretty much at high as high as anybody in the market. I think only Burns went for more money than Verlander. We know he's obviously a guy in his 40s now, but he was Cy Young Award candidate uh, winner last year with the Astros, and he really had a great run with Houston after kind of losing a little bit of steam at the end of his Detroit career. Were you with Max Scher, uh, Max Scherzer, with Justin Verlander as we hit his Mets career as he enters his 40s? So, yeah, I mean, I think he answered a ton of questions last year. I don't think anybody knew what to expect basically a year and a half away from pitching, having Tommy John surgery late in his career as he did. But, I mean, he won a Cy Young Award last season. Do I think he's going to have a sub-2 ERA this year? No, but, I mean, I feel like he's a better bat to stay healthy than Max Scherzer, who went for a similar price tag. Um, so I, I I think Verlander should be fine. Uh, in retrospect, I like the value that uh, Frank Stample from CBS got on Brandon Woodruff at 28. I think maybe if I could do this over again, I would have liked that price quite a bit better, to be honest. And uh, so I think there were better buys probably among these ace starting pitchers. Alcantara for 27, I think looks great. I have concerns about the Marlins defense, but I think as long as you get at least one of these top line starting pitchers, you know, you're going to be feeling good to start the year. So if I'm reading you correctly, Verlander over Scherzer is certainly your preference. You think Scherzer has a little bit more injury risk? I I do. And and Verlander or Scherzer hasn't thrown 200 innings since 2018. Uh, Had all those oblique oblique issues last year. So I actually feel better about Verlander than Scherzer going into this year. And I think the average draft position is bearing that out right now, too. It's been a very Mets-friendly podcast. I talked about how great their (laughs) SMY booth is. I know you're a Mets fan, and I I wasn't surprised that uh, McGill and Lugo were two of your more inexpensive pitchers rounding out your staff. So, again, maybe these are more deeper mixed league plays and certainly NL-only guys we can look at. Uh, Give us the elevator pitch for those two. So with Seth Lugo, you know, he signed with the Padres during the offseason. He's always wanted to start. I mean, we've heard that for years with the Mets, but they just hadn't given him that opportunity. But the Padres are going to give him that chance, especially Joe Musgrove broke his toe last week. So just again, uh, another feather in his cap as far as starting the year with a rotation spot. We'll see what he does. But I mean, theoretically, he could pitch half the season and do really well in that role. So I like him as a late Uh, pick for sure. Tyler McGill is one of those guys where I'm looking at that roster flexibility. Maybe he doesn't start the season in the majors, but I think given the age of the Mets rotation, they have four starters who are 34 years or older. Cody saying is 30, the young guy, the bunch, but that is a very old rotation. I think they're going to need McGill quite a bit. He showed some really good flashes last year. I think McGill ends up throwing at least a hundred innings for the Mets this year and has a chance to be an impact performer. Just because this was a an auction draft, or as we call them sometimes in Yahoo Sports, a, a salary cap draft, let's just throw out a couple of auction tips. I'll go first, just, just something that people can think about if they're playing in this format. Yeah. I always try to remind people that 
if you're going to quote unquote overspend for something, overspend for a player you really believe in, or even overspend for something you may need over the course of your auction, that's so much better than, oh, I have all this extra money and now there's a $13 outfielder and I have to spend $21 on him. If, if you go a few bucks over a player that you're in love with that you really wanted to have anyway, that's not a big deal. If you end up saving your money and end up blowing, blowing it on just the last good thing left, knowing that you're not getting a player that you really wanted, but it's just because I have to spend this money on, on something else, it's going to drive you crazy. And try to make sure you're getting your players when your opponents have alternatives. Again, if you're fighting for the last good catcher, the last good closer, the last good second baseman with somebody else, and the rest of the room is just laughing as you guys are going way over what the expected price is. Just try to get your players secured when your opponents still have some alternatives. I also try to like to avoid $1 players. I like to have a little bit of a slush fund for the end game. And remember yeah. late, late in the auction, a lot of times when somebody says one on an introduction of a player, the first team to say two may get him because only a few teams can go to two and yeah. you want to be ready. Have your finger on the two. If you're doing it online or be ready to bark out two in person. If you hear a name you like just a couple of my auction tips, uh, anything come to mind as you're thinking about auction drafts, obviously the strategy is different than regular drafts. What's a swing thought you give some of our listeners so something i was thinking about like let, let's say you do fill your catcher spot or you know you get your top closer uh on your wish list when you get your nomination mm-hmm. choices after that. that throw out catchers throw out relievers make those folks spend on those players that you don't need and then people start to get a little tense once they start buying those big ticket items so it just makes the money start to drain from uh each team's budget and that ultimately helps you. So even if you don't want to spend big right there, you still could get an advantage over your opponents. Yeah, I've often found too that, and I've and I played this format for a really long time, the more experienced your league is, the more likely the early prices will be favorable. The yep. less experienced your auction, and I'm talking about auction format. Maybe you've been drafting forever and you switched to auction this year. A first-year auction, the early spending is like college kids with their first credit card. It's just crazy. But then a lot of times I see in these industry things, nobody wants to spend early. They want to be out of flexibility early. And you look back and like, wow, how did the first couple of players end up going a lot cheaper than some of their similarity guys later in the auction? So there's no perfect rule. Every room is different. Every room is a snowflake. It's a unique draft experience. And I've also said that people who try the, the auction draft, the salary cap draft, I feel like 95% of them come back to me and be like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I'll do that yeah. again. Maybe it's not for everybody, but you can do it, as DJ said, really fun in person. It's certainly available at Yahoo Sports if you want to do it online. And that way, no more of this, oh, hey, I'm all excited to draft. I want to get Julio Rodriguez this year. Oh, I, I picked 13th. I'm not getting Julio Rodriguez this year. In an auction format, you can get anybody you want. So just keep that in mind as well. Yeah, and that's the great thing about auction salary cap league. So if you really wanted Julio Rodriguez, let's say you love watching the Mariners, like if you want to overspend on him, great. Like do that. Like, I mean, it's supposed to be fun. So uh, this gives you the opportunity to do that. So again, we'll link to this draft board in our show notes so you could check it out uh, for yourself. And, uh, you know, I'll try to keep you guys posted on how things are going during the season. Again, this is a really hard league. So. I think this first season is probably going to be a learning experience for me more than anything else. I don't know if I'm going to you know, do super well, but I think a respectable finish would be good enough for me. No, I, but. I certainly think you're going to be in contention. And shout out to our friend Steve Gardner, who runs all the labor leagues. Yep. He's just a, a heck of a guy. I mentioned the fantasy industry and uh, just a mad props for all the stuff that he puts on. It's a um, really good guy. 
Yeah, Baseball HQ uh, put on first pitch Arizona over the weekend, which is where this uh, draft took place. They do a, a great job. Um, so, so many uh, good people over there. I love HQ. Yeah. Yeah, Brent Hershey, Ray Murphy, all those guys, they did a great job at that event. Uh, so definitely check it out someday if you get a chance. Uh, thanks again, Scott, for joining me here. And you're right, we have that mock draft uh, broadcast we're doing this week, the Roto World uh, mock draft. We uh, It will be coming out Thursday on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Uh, so definitely keep an eye out for that. We'll be doing this draft on Yahoo, of course. Uh, so very much looking forward to that, Scott. I will see you there. And make sure you subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're li- listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review if you like what you're hearing. Make sure to follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I'm at DJ Shore. Take care. We will see you next time. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.